trying to tell your story to the world, MailChimp can help for free. They have got gorgeous pre-designed email templates, but you can also code your own. And I'm telling you, I use MailChimp. I have for years, way before they ever were an advertiser on the show, before the show existed. And it's great, easy to use. They'll show you how to send, when you should send, why people open an email or click delete. They also help you find your people and grow your business. I can vouch for that. They have helped me in my career so much. MailChimp can help you tell your story effectively and find people who care about it more at MailChimp.com. Hey, American Express card members, you do not want to miss this. Now through December 31st, there is a big reason for you to shop small at local stores in your neighborhood. Learn more and enroll your eligible card today at AmericanExpress.com slash shop small offer. That's AmericanExpress.com slash shop small offer. Terms apply. Hello to all my polyamorous hula hoopers out there. This is Beautiful Anonymous. It's one hour, one phone call, no names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one, I think it'll be more fun, and I'll get to know you, and you'll get to know me. Hey everybody, it's Chris Gethard here, telling you that you're about to listen to a call that I can only describe as both overwhelming and extremely pleasant. I want to thank our caller. This is a, a woman who has lived a lot of life in many ways, and as you'll hear, it's she just turns on the faucet... And the stories keep coming, and I just sat back and listened and had a real good time. And I, uh, I learn, I learn about, I learn about the culture of the desert, and I learn about the culture of of modern medicine, and I learn about the difference between certain words and maybe even a couple things about insects along the way. I think you guys will greatly enjoy this call, and I, I, I appreciate everyone who listens and spreads word of it because this is the type of call that made me want to get in on this racket. So enjoy it as much as I did. It's Beautiful Anonymous. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello? Hello? Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm good. You sound like a person who has a lot of energy. I'm drinking coffee. So, yeah, I probably do have a lot of energy. I'm just really excited to finally get through and be able to talk to you because I think you're awesome. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. I think you're awesome, too. Well, why, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, yeah. All right. Let's get into it. <laughs> Let's get into it. Um, I guess I'll uh, start with telling the story how maybe me and my boyfriend got together. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Kind of hilarious story, but it wasn't at the time. <laughs> I uh, started by uh, I, I dated him and his wife. What? All right. All right. Yeah. yeah. This was a while ago, though. <laughs> and then we were, you know, back in the Burning Man days, doing a lot of drugs, <laughs> a lot of partying, a lot of drinking. Uh huh. <laughs> So uh, I've been friends with them for a really, really long time, you know, uh, and uh, we kind of partied with the same group of, I guess, ravers, I guess you'd say. 
Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and so uh, we all went out to Burning Man one year, and I'd known that his wife had had a crush on me because everybody had told me. And, uh, you know, and I, I, they were just super fun. I, I just adored them. And uh, we went out to Burning Man one year, and I hung out with them, like, the entire time. And she and I went out one night and did mushrooms and had, like, an awesome night together. And then the next night, which was the night of the burn, you know, which is a big party night, um, after my band played, you know, I went and met up with them. And then I kind of, you know, hooked up a little bit with him, you know, because he was, he was, you know, <laughs> he was on a lot of drugs. I was actually sober because I had a show that night and, and we just like made out a lot, whatever. And I was like, okay, this is weird. And his wife was off making out with someone else. And, you know, it was just like a, a weird thing. And we stayed up all night together. And then I was packing up go to Reno, like, we were all going to Reno the next night, because uh, just, you know, because it's like an hour away, it's a good place to stay in a hotel and get cleaned up. Yeah. And he came, as I was packing up, he came up and he was like, hey, can I take you on a date tonight? I was, and because we were all staying at the same hotel. So I was like, sure. So we went and uh his wife and one of their friends, they kind of crashed early and he and I went and we just went to an arcade and we hung out all night with another one of our guy friends. And it was weird, you know? And I remember driving home the next day, just being like, I need to get over this because I was having really strong feelings for him, you know, more so than her, but what are you going to do? So we got back to our hometown and I just started hanging out with them all the time, and it turned into a three-person relationship. <laughs> they bought me a pillow for bed, you know. Wow, that's a commitment. <laughs> and I, yeah, exactly. I had my own pillow. And had had so, it's, so they were into the poly lifestyle. Um, they just wouldn't make out with a lot of other people at parties when we're all like on ecstasy and, you know, stuff like that. So I, I didn't quite know what to make of it at first, but, um, it started, she started to get very jealous because it was very apparent that he and I had crazy chemistry and it wasn't so much with her and they were not in a happy marriage to begin with. They fought all the time. I mean, like it was not a happy marriage. <laughs> And so, you know, uh, it, it, she just started to get, it got to the point where he and I couldn't even hold hands, you know, without her getting upset. So it lasted all of maybe a month. And so I ended it because I knew that she was unhappy and, uh, you know, and I was definitely more all about it. Like, I was in love with him, absolutely head over heels. So... Uh, which we'll call it. So we ended it and then we'd still hang out as friends and it was crazy because they were in a band and I was in a band and our bands would do a lot of shows together. And then it got to a point where I just kind of admitted to her that, you know, some point along the way I fell in love with your husband and blah, blah, blah. So she was just like, because he pulled me aside one night after I'd ended it and we were at a party and we were just <laughs> happened to both be tripping on acid and he pulled me aside 
and he was just like, I'm in love with my wife, but I'm also head over heels in love with you too. And he's like, I don't know what to do, you know? And, and so it was just a really confusing thing. So I was like, every time I'd see him, he'd like come and whisper in my ear and just be like, I'm in love with you. Or, you know, whisper sweet things. You look really pretty. And then like, you know, pretend like nothing happened. And then that's when I was, I kind of admitted to her that, you know, somewhere along the way that I fell in love with him and she was just wanted me to stay away. And so it got to a point where he and I, because if she so much has heard that if he and I spoke to one another at a party, she would quit their band. And she was like a really important member of their band. And so he and I were hopelessly in love with one another. And whenever we'd be at the same party or whatever, we couldn't even say hi or anything. But we were like head over heels. And she ended up moving out of the house with him. But I don't know what the deal was. We still weren't allowed, you know, to even acknowledge one another if we were together at a party or whatever. So he and I, he would have to, and in my apartment building, her sister, her best friend lived downstairs from me. So he couldn't like easily come over and hang out and leave. He'd have to park his car like a half a mile away, come over at like two or three in the morning and leave before like people would be getting, leaving for work. So, I mean, it was, it was such a difficult time because we had to be so secretive (laughs) and, you know, in public and like, even just like when we maybe go see a movie together, he would walk like a block ahead of me, <laughs> you know, cause we couldn't, you know, we were, he was wor- so paranoid that someone was going to see us together. I mean, it was, it was very complicated. Yeah. And then, uh, it, it sucked. It was a whole lot of suck. And I remember, you know, I could never call him. I always had to wait for him to call me because if he was with her, you know, whatever the band or whatever and saw my number come up then it would be oh you know it was just really really difficult (laughs) time and so finally she ended up getting a boyfriend and then he ended up coming clean and telling her you know about me and then it was all over and then uh, at that burning man uh, that next year, his band broke up <laughs> because there was so much drama. Yeah. And then he and I could kind of be at peace together. And, you know, 13 years later, here we are. <laughs> 13 years you've been together. 13 years. I'm going to go ahead and say, I'm going to go ahead and say, that was a stunning twist at the end that I didn't anticipate. But this all went down like eight <laughs> months ago. Doesn't sound like a thing that's no. built for thirteen years. Thirteen years, yeah. We just celebrated thirteen years not too long, like a few weeks ago. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna go ahead. I've got a number. No. Of, I've got a number. I've got a number of opinions and questions. If that's okay, I love it. Okay, first things first. Kudos to you. I think you came out of the gate stronger than any caller in the history of this show. So kudos to you. <laughs> In 10 minutes, you just told us a stunning number of, of revelations. Okay. First question, <laughs> is your boyfriend Thurston Moore? Is, 
Because I've heard stories like this in the rock and roll world before. Is it the guy from... No. Okay. Okay. No. Fair. Because I read about that one. Second of all... Okay. You were literally sex, drugs, and rock and roll. That is literally your life story. It's a very modern romance that we're talking about. Yeah. It's not so much like that anymore, but... Really? At the time, pretty much. You've cooled it down. You've cooled it down with the, with the drugs... Oh God, yeah, yeah. How you many? Know. How many I of your pot and that's not even a drug at this point, right? Pot's I know exactly. And you I smoke pot and I drink a lot of wine. <laughs> and you haven't said this, but I'm just assuming you live in California, right? I do. Yeah, of course you do. With a story like that, getting all fucked up and getting involved in a in a in a. A simultaneous poly relationship and love triangle, both an open poly relationship and a secret love triangle simultaneously. Yeah, you're from California. We all know that. Everybody knew that. Now, yeah, here's the big one, because this relationship. Okay. Tell you, from my end, sounds like it must have been pretty, pretty awful. Although exciting, exciting in that sort of like sick, secret, addictive way. I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely something kind of, like, sexy about it where we were just, like, these hopelessly in love people but couldn't acknowledge one another or be around, you know. It's, yeah. It's kind of a rom- romantic <laughs> romance to it. De- I mean, definitely. It, it's like it's like Shakespeare if Shakespeare existed in the age of MDMA. That's what your story is like. Wow. That's pretty cool. I like that. You like that one? Shakespeare. Hello. Shakespeare on Molly. Shakespeare on Molly. That's your life story. <laughs> now this, I guess so. Now here's the big question for me. Because when you said 13 years, that was kind of the most jaw-dropping revelation to me. Because this sounded to me like a thing that was, no offense, you know, maybe driven by some unhealthy behavior in the beginning. How did you make it last 13 years? And did you have any or do you have any fear that this is a cycle that could repeat? Because I think most people hear a story like that and maybe think that your boyfriend would maybe be a guy who was playing some games and maybe he's a game player. No. No. We we are, like, best friends. Like, we do everything together. You know, I... Like, basically, he makes me feel so confident and so loved in our relationship that there's no one else for him but me. That's the way he makes me feel, and that's the way I know. Because, I mean, we're together all the time. I, I he, There's no time for him to stray away from me, yeah. you know? That's cool. So do you think do so, you, so? Do you think the setup this, of this relationship was less about, do you think he was, like, living a lifestyle that was less, like, more convincing himself he was living a lifestyle of, of drugs and polygamy, and it, it was less actually that and more just unhappiness in his old marriage? Yeah, there was definitely a lot of unhappiness in the marriage. And then him, he I think he felt a lot, too, that the band, that you know, I mean, he basically retired from his job so that he could tour from the band. And everybody else was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then nobody else, everybody else kind of was like, oh, we actually have to do that, you know. So he felt kind of like he was carrying the band and then he was unhappy in his relationship. And, you know, I, I think that he and I, I think I'm... He's a little high strung and I'm pretty mellow and I think we're a good match in that respect. You know, yeah. that 
I kind of bring him down, you know, and he's changed a lot. He's nowhere near as high strung as he used to be. He's actually calmed down tremendously (laughs) and has kind of found peace in his life, you know, that he didn't have when he was younger. So he was a little bit caged and you sprung him free and you were the antidote to some of the chaos in his life. I would hope that sounds very nice. I would like to think that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, that's cool. So 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 when <laughs> So when like when you go to a family gathering and your you like your aunt is like, "So how'd you guys get together?" What do you So what do you what do you tell them? We were friends for a while, a long time and then <laughs> We got together. We don't uh, include uh, the uh, uh, the other part. You would say I pumped <laughs> I pumped myself full of any uh, any fungus that was growing in the desert of Arizona, and we lost lost our minds and, <laughs> and, and entered into a, a a dark forbidden world of, uh, of of sex and drugs. You don't mention that around the Thanksgiving table. No, yeah. no, that doesn't come up over dinner. Yes, yeah, smart call. <laughs> Smart call. <laughs> yeah, they would. They were freaked out by him the first time they met him, though, because he came. He had this long, crazy, like not long hair, but like almost like afro-y looking. Like even though he doesn't have an afro, but it was like this big black head of hair, and he was wearing these crazy like pants, paisley pants from the seventies, and he was just. I mean, they were really because he looked like a like a rocker, you know. And they were see just the guy kind of from off, see like, the guy from uh, LMFAO. Sounds like the guy from LMFAO. No. You just described the guy no, from LMFAO. No. Can we admit that? Just based on your verbal description of him. I get, yes, I did. I did describe that. However, he looks nothing like that. We all now have an image of you going home for Thanksgiving with the guy from LMFAO, paisley pants and a big afro. <laughs> It's your boyfriend. Your boyfriend's the guy from LMFAO. Yep. You called it. No. Red Foo. I'm being told his name is Red Foo. Red Foo. No. Red Foo is not my boyfriend, but he'd probably be very fun to hang out with. (laughs) I'm sure. Are you guys still musicians? Are you still living that life? No. Neither of us are actually musicians. (laughs) He was the lead singer. And uh, the band I was in, I was actually a fire performer and hula hooper, oh, grinder right. girl kind oh, of right. thing. Oh, Burning Man. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned <laughs> Burning Man. That's what I used to do. So you were a hula hooper. Yeah. yeah. I, have a friend who's a, I have a friend who's a hula hooper. Are, are you, and it's almost like a religion to some people, hula hooping. Were you in that whole scene? Yeah. You still Yeah. It was for me. For I was obsessed with it when I first discovered it, and like I would dream about. It. I'd come home. I would just do it all night. I, like practice yeah. and learn. To, you know, find new tricks, and it was it was an obsession. But I can't say I've the last show my band did was our very last show was 2012, and I haven't really hooped since 2012. Yeah. So, so you guys have moved yeah. on. What are you doing with your lives now? Oh, I should tell you this though. The end of my band. Guess how we ended? This was kind of crazy. We're going to learn the answer to that question when we come back, and then so many more questions will arise. We'll be right back with more of the call.
You know that feeling you get when you can get things done with just the click of your mouse? It can't get more convenient than that. And now can even get your mailing and shipping done without leaving your desk thanks to Stamps.com. Stamps.com turns your PC or Mac into your own personal post office that never closes where you never have to stand on the line, where you never have to get get angry looks from someone just because you have questions about how to do this or that. It's all about convenience. You can buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter or package using your computer and printer. Then you just hand your mail to the mailman, drop it in a mailbox. You never have to go to the post office again. How great does that sound? I use stamps.com and I love it. And I got a post office at the end of my block It couldn't be easier for me, and I still don't want to go because Stamps.com makes things so much easier. Right now, sign up for Stamps.com. Use my promo code BEAUTIFUL for this special offer. Four-week trial plus $110 bonus offer, including postage and a digital scale. Do not wait. Go to Stamps.com. Before you do anything else, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in BEAUTIFUL. That's Stamps.com. Enter Beautiful. Casper is a sleep brand that created one perfect mattress sold directly to consumers. It eliminates all that commission-driven, inflated pricing nonsense. It's an award-winning sleep service was developed in-house. They got a sleep design. It's delivered in a, in a small, how-did-they-do-that size box. And I'm going to tell you something on a personal level. I'm sleeping on a Casper these days. My wife said to me just the other day, I do not think I will ever sleep on another kind of mattress. An in-house team of engineers spent thousands of hours developing it. It's got springy latex and supportive memory foams. I'm telling you, you sink into this mattress, but it's also somehow still firm. It's great. It regulates your temperature and very, very reasonable. Mattresses can cost over $1,500. Casper's $500 for a twin. $750 $750 for a full, $850 for a queen, $950 for a king. That's reasonable. And it's risk-free. If you don't like it, they'll give you a 100-night home trial. If you don't enjoy it, they will pick it up and refund you everything. That is a company committed to customer service. Casper is obsessively engineered, shockingly fair price. Time Magazine named it one of the best inventions of 2015. Free shipping and returns to U.S. and Canada. Made in America Get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting www.casper.com slash beautiful and using offer code beautiful. Terms and conditions apply. While we are on the topic of mattresses, good opportunity to tell you about a new sleep-related project I think you guys are really going to like. Me and my buddy Gary Richardson working on a brand new podcast. It's all about dreams. We're going to be listening to your dreams, analyzing them, picking them apart, trying to figure out what they mean. You can be involved, okay? If you've been trying to call this show you can't get through, another show you can call. What we need you to do is give us a call at 810-DREAM-68. Tell us about the most memorable dream you've had, the one that's really stuck with you for a long time. Anything goes, okay? You leave that message. You talk us through it start to finish. But for the sake of everybody's sanity, you know, try to keep it you know, relatively brief, minute, two minutes. Again, it's 810-373-2668. Tell me and my buddy Gary the story of your most memorable dream. Be sure to tell us your name, where you live, the best way to reach you, email, phone number, just something so we can get clearance. That's 810-DREAM-68. Thanks so much. Everybody's saying we want to get back to that phone call. I do too. Uh, hang, Hang on to your hats, as they say. So you guys have moved on. What are you doing with your lives now? Oh, I should tell you this, though. The end of my band, guess how we ended? This was kind of crazy. 
the guy who started our entire project got caught on To Catch a Predator. (laughs) (laughs) That's the funniest thing I ever heard in my life. The guy from the Burning Man band with the hula hooper. He was on <laughs> No, he was he was he was a drummer. Okay. He was a drummer. He was the drummer. But he was in so but this yeah. is some hippy dippy guy. This is some hippy dippy guy. No, we weren't like we weren't a hippy dippy band. Oh we come were... on. No, I gotta draw a line there. And I'm not trying to be a dick. You were a band no, that played no, a burning man we and were... had a fire no. dancing hula hooper. You're a hippie band. Right? No, no, because no. Get this was our look, and like, please take into account this is like you know thirteen, ten, thirteen years ago. Okay, okay. And we I'm were listening. like black vinyl, like black vinyl, you know, glowy thing, you know, that kind of a look. We weren't uh, like hippy dippy Jerry Garcia kind of, uh-huh. you know. <laughs> so wait, black vinyl glowy is this a little bit more of a predecessor to like the EDM thing now? Not sure what black vinyl. Yeah, means. yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it was like electronic music. It was like a full band with okay. like um, video projections, aerial stunts, you know, aerialists, yeah. hoopers, fire performers, belly wow. dancers. It was like there were twenty, like twenty of us That's involved. Cool. So as twenty to thirty of us. Uh, so all jokes and me being unnecessary. What? All jokes and me being unnecessarily aggressive aside, it was like a little bit more of one a uh, Burning Man like band slash art project thing. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. I get that because you know what my yeah, my like that. my wife uh, my wife has dabbled in aerialism. She's she's been a professional uh, aer- aerialist for stretches of her life. So I get it. That's awesome. Yeah. So. Awesome. Awesome. So wait, this is so, while the band so yeah, is running. So, <laughs> while the band is running, the guy you, you get, has the old Chris Hansen running. Yes, Chris Hansen walked in on him Come while he was on. holding a bag of sex toys. Come on. And this is when you're all members of the band still? This was like the peak of our career. Come on. We had CAA representing us. Big time. We had had just, like, you know, less than a year before that happened, like, we, you know, got to play Madison Square Gardens at the Jammies and open with Richie Havens. And, I mean, we were doing, like, we are it was it was going really 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 well. So but you guys, then when this happened, our management dropped us. Our CAA, of course, dropped us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think CAA. For anybody who doesn't know the insider lingo, CAA, uh, long regarded, I would say, as 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 one of the most, if not the most, powerful agency in the entertainment world. Yeah. So let's let's so go ahead and say a few we things. You are now officially perhaps the most easily Googleable person to ever call our show. We should just call that. I will not Google you. I will not Google you. Everyone is listening to this has probably just Googled what band, uh, what popular band broke up due to uh, To Catch a Predator. And so I would say if people want to respect the anonymity, ease off the Google. But I bet a lot of curious people are. And also here's the other thing. Some of these people out there, they act like this show is like a detective mystery and they're trying to figure out who all the callers are and they tweet at me. I figured out who it was and here's what I do. I don't even look at those. So don't bother. I don't want to know. It's the whole premise. The whole premise is anonymous. I got people tweeting at me. I think, I think this was the person's name. Hey, don't do that. This is supposed to be a space where people can call up and say stuff. I mean, that being said, most people 
do not offer a literal blueprint to their life as you just have. That being said, everybody well, chill I out. Have, I have nothing to hide. I'm an open book. So, <laughs> oh, that, uh, you know. oh, yeah, I picked up on that. I picked up on that. <laughs> so tell me how... I have nothing to hide. If I think it's a, a good story, I like to share good stories. <laughs> yeah, so, you know. And you are stepping up on that, my friend, and thank you for it. Thank you for it. Now, so you're very welcome. If you're represented by CAA and playing Madison Square Garden, was this band your living? Was this your livelihood? No, no, no because there it sounds like know, there were like a thousand um, of you guys. There were a lot of us, and we had a lot of substitute people. But yeah, because there were at any given show, maybe we'd get a large check. There'd be you'd have to spread it between twenty to thirty people. Yeah. <laughs> so, Plus, I imagine yeah, if you I have still had my day job. if you have fire acts and riggers or aerialists, that means you need like yeah. a whole rigging team. That means you need a ton of insurance for each show. Yeah, and all, we all have like our own personal, you know, performer insurance as well in case you know, yeah, a fire went into the audience or something. <laughs> but. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. So, I mean, it, it was always a big deal. And not every show we could do fire if we're going to some club, you know. Oh, yeah. It was, it was the last know, of course. Only yeah. selected shows where we could, <laughs> we yeah. could get away with that. Yeah, high ceiling for you the know, fire. What was that band? Great White. Great White? Was, yep. They screwed it for fire. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, But, I mean, they let's let's before we start pointing fingers at Great White, let's remember that nobody uh, – no – it's it's not like it's not like they're uh they're looking back with fond fond memory. It's not like they're saying, Hey, screw I don't know if you can say great white screwed us. I think uh they lived yeah. through, no, through no, a, not- no, 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 a notorious no. horror. Not, definitely not what I'm thinking. <laughs> Everything that you ever read about that is that it's one of the most nightmarish situations that ever unfolded in the history of uh of live performance. Absolutely. I don't think Great White is going like, hey, what, yeah. what did we do? Yeah. So wait, so regardless, because it is, I will say it's kind of astounding. My wife is a punk rocker and I'm, she's, she's explained to me and I've learned this to be true as I've, I've, as I've become friends with many musicians, it's really, really hard to make your living as a musician and you can be represented by a powerful agency playing Madison Square Garden and still need a day job. Musicians have it rough, man. Musicians need to hustle hard to make their living. It's really, really kind of amazing and 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 sad. Yeah. So absolutely. All that being said, absolutely. All that being said, you guys are playing Madison Square Garden. You got this agency that's. Well, that was. Go go for it. We 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 didn't like it. Wasn't like a band featured at Madison Square. You know, it wasn't that. Doesn't matter. it was a big show with, and it was like an awards show with many, 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 many like famous artists. And we just got to be featured for a little bit. That's you know okay. what I'm saying? You guys plugged in and played at Madison Square Garden. That is an accomplishment <laughs> for anybody. CAA, this is going well. Everybody's excited. Everybody feels like we're on to something here. Clearly, how do you find out about this to catch a predator situation? I was at home one night, and my mom called, and she was just like, what's so-and-so's last name? And I was like, it's blah, blah, blah. And she was like, oh, he's on NBC Dateline to catch a predator right now. I was like, are you sure? She's like, yes. So, so she it hit the airwaves. Me. He didn't tell you? 
It just hit the airwaves, and that's when you guys yeah. all found out. It, this was January. It happened like back in like September, and they had done 19 arrests that day. And he was hoping he didn't tell anybody, but he was hoping that out of the 19 arrests of that day, his wouldn't air on the actual show. <laughs> so he was hoping it would be it would hit the cutting room floor and be deemed not entertaining enough for to catch a predator. So he let you guys sit so. in this. He let you sit in it. Your mom, your mom finds out when it's on TV. Yeah. But if, yeah. And like, this was like back in the day of like MySpace and people on MySpace that <laughs> were fans of ours were just like, I just threw away all my CDs of theirs. And do do you know? And, and uh, it was, you know, he obviously never performed with us again, but we tried to come back from it. And you it did, just, you know. But you're Didn't the pedal. I mean, try. at that point, without him, without him, of course, without him, <laughs> of course, without him. I mean, we yeah. all assumed. That being said, though, I'd have to imagine. Uh-huh. I don't want to bring up any painful memories, but I feel like there's a very, very easy label at that point. I bet a lot of people hear the name of your band, and from that point forward, it's oh, is that the pedophile band? From that point forward, right? Yeah, and the, the company that like puts on these stings or whatever—I forgot the name of the company. But it was like their goal to absolutely ruin him and ruin all of us mm-hmm. online. Mm-hmm. You know, after that, it mm-hmm. was their goal to go and just slander or like just. And it's just like, gosh, we've all worked so hard. Why do we have to pay for his stupid mistake? You know? Yeah. Now. And it was just so frustrating. Yeah. I want to be, I do also want to be clear. I've been having a lot of fun in this call. I just said the word pedophile. I'm not laughing at the pedophile thing. This is a serious issue that gets attached to you guys. And I'm not trying to make fun of that part for as much as I've been laughing. It's just an astounding situation. So what does he say? What does he say when it hits the airwaves? I imagine you guys have a band meeting pretty quick after that, right? Yes. How's that that meeting You know, I'd rather not go in. He, He had his own, you know... Issues. He said they made it look, you know, like what it wasn't. He said that it was his impression that she was of age. Okay. And, but then you go back and you look at the transcripts because you could read the transcripts and it was pretty clear he knew she was not of age. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, you know, he just, he had issues from his past. And blah, 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 that, you know, I don't want to go into, but, you know. Yeah, that's his story to tell. I'm not um, asking. drove him to have this secret life. Yeah, so he did. You so. know, I, I don't really. Yeah, you don't need to tell someone else's story, but I, I find it very fascinating to be in a creative communal project. And I would imagine if you're in the Burning Man scene, communal in, in even more of a sense than a normal band. Like, this is like a, uh, a lifestyle. You're playing festivals that lend themselves towards this. And to have that fall apart because of something so kind of public and also in that stretch of American culture, it's kind of like notorious and archetypal. And what a fascinating thing. So I, I feel you out of respect not wanting to tell his story. And that's very, I understand that. But yeah. the story of this thing falling apart is fascinating to me. Yeah. It was, uh, you know, and it's, it was tough after that because I feel like he really, one thing that was awesome about him was 
he would really light the fire fire under our asses to be like, come on, let's get new, you know, new stuff together, new, new, you know, to constantly be creating stuff. And I feel like when all this happened, like a, a lot of our passion for the project, a lot of people's passion kind of went away. I get it. Because we didn't have him there being like, you know, it's like, and because we had, it was like, we had to start all over again. That's what it felt like. Yeah. You've got to, you got to start over again and also combat this reputation that has now been attached to you guys via association in a way that must have been terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. And this was kind of cool. Like literally four or five days after the whole thing came out, we had a big showcase at a club, <laughs> of course, like, Ooh. you know, uh, and so it was kind of like, oh God, this, this is going to be, this could be really bad. Like what if no one comes, you know? And the coolest thing, we, it was packed and people came out to support and it was freaking awesome, you know? And he, and, uh, he wasn't playing. Did he immediately? He was not there. He left. The d- the day this thing airs, the guy's not playing in the band anymore, right? No, 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 no. Smart PR move not there. <laughs> smart, smart PR move there. Let's let yeah. this one sort yeah. itself out. Wow, exactly. I gotta say, I gotta say, yeah. uh, for for somebody to start the call with a uh, a a a love a, a polygamous love triangle story of of. Uh, of of love and loss, I, I bet a lot of people go. All right, fifteen minutes in, this one's hit its peak, and then you follow it up with, "My band was dissolved due to to catch a predator related fiasco." I don't think anybody sees that one two yeah. punch coming. You just threw a combo. They call that a combo in in boxing. A combo, yeah. I guess so. Who, who knew that but, the love you know, triangle was just a jab? And now you've thrown the hook, and I don't want to. I want to know what the uppercut is at the end of this call. How do? You, what are we talking about now? Ah, uh, huh? Gosh. Let me think. I think you got a few bombs left to drop. I can tell you've lived a lot of life. I'm trying to, yeah. You know, it's like my life is so like tame now compared to what it used to be. It's like you know, I'm in my forties and. Do you have a gig? You know, do, you have, do you have like a, a job? Right. Do you have a job these days? I do. I'm kind of in transition. Um, I, ha- I have a pet sitting business. Oh, wow. And That's cool. Yeah, and I've had it, you know, I've had it since 2001. And, That's awesome. Um, but now I'm starting to work for my boyfriend more so than I'm pet sitting. Uh because I'm trying to transfer to be his personal assistant because he works in medical marijuana and, uh, had a feeling you weren't going gonna, very, very well. Had a feeling you weren't going to say, yeah, I went and got a nine to five. I sit in a cubicle all day now. Had a feeling you weren't going to say that. So you're, Hell no. So, <laughs> no. Had a feeling that wasn't coming down the Not pike. At all. So you can also offer us after all this, after 34 minutes of, 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 Literally, like this, this call has been the the phone equivalent. This has been the beautiful anonymous equivalent of you just like taking out a machine gun and just blasting us 
with stories, opinions, and good and good-natured reflection on it all. You can now also offer us insight into what the power players of the medical marijuana industry are are dealing with. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because yeah, he's he does uh, marketing and product development for marijuana for brands of me- of medical marijuana. That yeah, is, that, I mean, no pun by this. That's a growth industry right there. Yes. It's only yes. it's only getting bigger by the day. Gets legalized out here. I am hoping that it gets legalized out here because. Well, I mean, people. That would be life changing. I would have to imagine. I, I'm not in California, but just based on what I know and based on how many friends I have who live out there, like, it, 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 I, I would imagine the debate on that in the on the, in the state senate or whatever is going to be very simple. Where it's like literally everyone's doing drugs anyway. It would be silly to not capitalize on it. Why is it medic? Every you can just oh get a card, right? Tax the crap out of it. Like, I mean, the state could, you know, make so much money. It's crazy. Yeah. So yeah, and it's like helping people. You know, the the Rick Simpson oils and the CBDs are helping. You know, curing cancer, helping children with you know severe epilepsy. Like, I mean, it's it's got so many uh, medical benefits that you know I'm really hoping that the government will start to take seriously and do more research into because it could save a lot of lives. I think that's very legit and uh I'm someone who read I nerdily read about everything and it seems it seems like it's no uh there's not really much debate that it has medical benefits now and you know what one of the things I've read about that I think is very um very, very notable about it is I've read a lot about how in, in places where there's medical marijuana that opioid addictions go down. And I think that that's one of the, like, that's becoming one of the quiet, most awful things about America right now is all the opioid stuff. Yeah, seems absolutely. Like, seems like if you have ac- and also just, you got access you know, to the Chiba, the pills go away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's like, I mean, just marijuana is so much healthier too than you know, all the prescription pills. <laughs> yeah, no, that's pain what I'm pills. saying. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. People get hooked on pain exactly. pills, then they can't get access to prescriptions, and then it leads to heroin. This is happening everywhere. And then everything you read is like, yeah, in that's states enough. where there's medical marijuana, that just happens less and less is everything I've read. I think that's cool. Oh, man. So I do. I wish to... all the, the conservatives would catch up well, <laughs> and start to believe this. Hey, you know, I've... Uh, I'm a, I'm a very liberal, progressive guy. I'm an artist who lives in New York City. I think uh, conservatives can catch up in many ways. And also, probably we can listen to them on some of the economic stuff too. But who knows? I'm tired of all the fighting. Talked to, the, talked to, a, Trump, right. talked to a Trump lady a few weeks back, and it was, uh, was eye I I heard it. And I, and I listened to the whole thing. I Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. Right. No, I, yeah, absolutely. I was like, oh, this is going to be awesome. Thanks. Yeah, she was a cool lady. Yeah, I mean, my both, yeah, she was super cool. And I, I, my, both my parents are Trump supporters. So, wow. But I, I don't like to get started talking about it with them. So your parents so, are conservatives. How do, they, <laughs> how do they feel about the marijuana? You know, they used to be dead set against it, and now they're very supportive. Yeah, I bet they see you living that life, driving around you know, in a couple don't... Porsches. You and your boyfriend, you, you race around in your Porsches. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully we have our Porsches someday. Now, I, I want to ask, there's, but, there's yeah. been, 
drug like drug drugs have been a major part of your life for at le- for at least thirteen years as you've described them. You 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 say you used yeah, to do tons of drugs. Now you're really, yeah. I was so squeaky clean gl- growing up. I went to an all girls Catholic high school. I was a drama nerd, you know. <laughs> yeah. And I never. I was very on the just say no, you know, bandwagon. <laughs> yeah. and, and it's I never would have expected that I would have. Yeah. Gotten all crazy in my in my twenties. What pulled the trigger <laughs> on that? Do you was it just the first the first time you had ecstasy? You were like, oh shit, game on. Was it that type of thing? What led to what led to that stretch where you just went all in on the drug lifestyle? It was rave culture. I remember going to my very first like rave. I was doing a play, and there was this guy you know, in the play with me. And he was like, oh my gosh, me and my buddy, we went to this rave last weekend. It was the most amazing thing. The people were just so cool. They're this group of friends. And um, and uh, so I lost my train of thought. And so he was like, you got to go. There's another one. They're throwing another one this week, this Saturday. Let's after the show, after our show ends, let's go. So I went with them and I walked in and it was just like a whole different mindset of people. Like I walked in and the first person I saw was like, oh, how are you? And this is before anybody was on drugs. How are you? You have the most beautiful smile. It almost felt like a cult because everybody was so cool and not like, oh, who are you? We don't know you. You know, everybody was mm-hmm. very welcoming. And I felt like I, you know, of course we did drugs that night. But that night I was just like, who are these people? And I need to like hang out with these people and these are the people that are you know my friends to this day yeah and uh we just did a you know a lot of parties so that's you know kind of how i discovered hooping and fire before you know that's how i discovered it was through rave culture which you know i i mean it's it's it was kind of life-changing yeah. meeting those people because and, I was, you know, I was, I, I had gone to England right as, after I met these people and I kind of started dating a guy uh, in the group and um, I, I had been dating a guy in England uh, for a year and a half and he uh, broke up with me when he came to visit me the summer prior to me meeting all these people. And I freaked out and I, you know, was like, how can I save this relationship? Like, totally irrational. And uh, I was like, oh, you know, maybe I'll apply for school in London so I can be there with him. And then maybe, you know, our relationship will work. So I applied, you know, to schools or whatever. I went over, I auditioned for this musical theater program and I saw him. And right after I met this awesome group of people and sort of started seeing one of the guys in the group, I flew over to do this audition and see my, see and stay with my ex, which, you know, nothing happened, but I went to the audition, blah, blah, blah. But they only accept like 36 people out of like 1500 applicants. So it was like a long shot. And so anyway, after a week I went home and the crazy thing was I actually got accepted to this school. So this is a, this and, is a, this is a fork uh, in the road. This is a crossroads in your life. <laughs> Major crossroads. So I had promised my mom, I was like, mom, if I get accepted, I'll go. Cause she wanted, wanted me to go so bad, you know? And, uh, and so 
I got accepted and I was going to go. And then it's just the feeling in my gut was like, this is not right. You know, it was more like an inauthentic reason because I was going to save a relationship. Yeah. Try and save a, a past relationship that I really wasn't invested in anymore because I started seeing someone new. So it just, the feeling in my gut was like, this is not right. It's like, I'm finally found my people. I yeah. finally, after living in, you know, where I live now, I finally, after five years, found my people. I found my friends. I found, you know, and I was like, you know, this, I like my, I finally like my life here. <laughs> I just got to stay. And how and long really is it? I did. How long is it that from that moment? So you go from being a pretty squeaky clean musical theater nerd. You decide to opt out of this program you get accepted to. How long is it before you're twirling fire and hooping on stage at Burning Man? Uh, one, about a year. <laughs> oh, your mom, your mom must have been, her head must have been spinning. You go, I'm going to go, if I get into this prestigious program, I'll go. And then you turn around and say, hey, I lied. And then a year later, you're zonked out of your mind, that burning man twirling fire. She must have been. Oh so scared and concerned. Every year I went out to Burning Man, she hated it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I bet she did. Yeah. Yeah, she had visions of you. Uh, yeah. Uh, she had visions of you uh, in, in Bye Bye Birdie. And, the, and the, <laughs> that was her vision of your performing futures. Doing, doing oh, the God, box step. Terrible. Doing the box step in, in South Pacific. Valley high, oh, no. valley high, and then oh. th- now you're you're spitting fire, wearing a uh, uh, thong made of of uh, of hemp, <laughs> spinning <laughs> spinning around with a, a stick. Fun fur, fun fur. Uh, what is fun fur? <laughs> fun fur was. Don't say fun fur like, like I'm supposed to know. Don't you can't go fun fur like I'm fun like fur. I know what that is. It's like you can make it's like fake. It's fake, cheap, furry-looking material that you can, like, put on things to be all, like... It's a very popular thing in the Burning Man world. I don't know if these days it's so much popular, but at least 13 years ago, it was all about fun fur. Is this is this the thing where I see... You see pictures sometimes from Burning Man where it'll be people who have, like, tufts of green stuff that's literally just over where their real pubic hair is. Is this fun fur, or have those people just <laughs> dyed their pubic hair green? Probably fun fur. Oh, so that's <laughs> fun so. fur. So we've I'm all learned something today. Someone with us. Yeah. Oh, here's another fun fun Burning Man term I think you would enjoy. Uh-huh. Walk me through shirt this. Shirt cocking. Have you Sh- heard of sh- shirt cocking? I have not heard of shirt cocking. Can I guess what it is before you tell me? Trust me, listeners, more than you've ever trusted me. You want to come back after these advertisements because we are going to get to the bottom of the shirt cocking mystery. Do you ever avoid parties or or not speak up in a meeting and then you regret it later? 30 million Americans will suffer from social anxiety in their lifetime. I suffer from this half for most of my life. I remember remember in college, the girl I dated knew if I start like rubbing my thighs when we're out in a party, we're talking to a bunch of people, if I start swaying back and forth, she knows I'm just being racked by this anxiety. She's got to get me out of there. I wish Joyable 
had been around then. Joyable's online program has helped thousands of clients overcome social anxiety. Joyable uses cognitive behavioral therapy, the leading treatment for social anxiety, according to all the major authorities. And I'll tell you, the shrink I've been seeing for years also uses CBT. It really helped me a lot. You get paired with a coach who's your partner through the program. They help tailor the program to your needs, keep you motivated and on track, available anywhere, anytime, so you can access it from the comfort and privacy of your own home. 93% of Joyable clients see a decline in their social anxiety after completing the 12-week online program. The program is $25 a week after a free seven-day trial, so about as much as you spend on coffee or takeout or a night at the bar. And that's only 11% the average cost of therapy. But for our listeners, a special offer. If you go to joyable.com slash beautiful, you get an additional week completely free. That is joyable.com slash beautiful. Well, this is unexpected. Earwolf launched a new show with my old pal, Hannibal Burris. It's called Handsome Rambler, and I've known Hannibal many, many years through the stand-up scene in New York, and we've done stuff on Broad City together, and he was on one of the most beloved episodes of the Chris Gethard Show of all time. It was an episode uh, all about phone sex, and it gets really intense, and he's amazing on it. You probably know Hannibal for his stand-up, and he is out on a big tour right now. The show is, it's just like hanging out with him on the road, which is to say it's super fun and hilarious because that's Hannibal. The guy, I've known Hannibal forever. The guy loves stand-up more than anybody I know. And also, you never know what you're going to get out on the road with Hannibal. In the first one, Hannibal talks about performing for Obama and a very uncomfortable, inappropriate joke made around the dinner table. Cannot wait to hear what he does next. The podcast is called Handsome Rambler. Go check it out in iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play and subscribe. Hannibal's one of the funniest people in America. You can trust me on that. Thank you to all our sponsors. You guys allow this show to happen, to get out into the world. Speaking of the show, speaking of the world, this this lady has seen a lot of it. and She's going to tell us about more of it. Let's get back to the call. I have not heard of shirt cocking. Can I guess what it is before you tell me? Yes. Shirt cocking. Let's see. We're going to break down the entomology. Is that the is that the phrase I'm looking for? Or is that the study of insects? Can anyone in the booth tell me if I'm no talking idea. about word word breakdowns? Is that entomology? Entom- I'm being told. What is the study of insects? It's close, right? Can we can we please Google that? I think it's close. So shirt cocking. Shirt cocking. We got 14 minutes. I'm going to assume that shirt cocking is where you take off your shirt. And et, well, okay, wait. Etymology. etymology is the study of words. I'm being told, and if we can just get a verification on the study of okay. of insects before I guess what okay. shirt cocking is, and I'm gonna, we're gonna, we're hearing etymology is the study of words, and ent entomology is the is the study of insects. So my instinct was ah. the etymo- etymology study of words. Entomology study of insects. We're talking etymology here. Shirt cocking. You can assume it's when you take off when a male takes off his shirt and uses it instead as some kind of thong or frock by molding it around the shape of his own genitalia, shirt cocking, shirt cocking. <laughs> no. No. Okay. 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 Don't tell, tell me. You? Hold on. Hold on. I want to get three guesses. Shirt cocking. Okay. Shirt cocking. Again. Okay. This is probably a relative of the grasshopper in the family. No. Oh, wait. That was... Entomology. I'm sorry, we're doing etymology today. Shirt cocking. <laughs> no insects. <Shirt. laughs> yes. Is shirt cocking when you when when you take a shirt, a t-shirt, and you reform it and twist it to be um 
um, as small as to cover as little of your actual body as possible in a way where you might actually take maybe like the the part of your shirt that normally sits over your belly button. You pull it up through the collar, then tie it in a knot so it more resembles a, tri- a traditional bikini top or bra, shirt cocking. No. Okay. I get one more guess, and then you're going to fill me in. Okay. I would have to imagine it's, it's a type of beetle that is a predator. of. No, wait. I'm sorry. I fell into entomology <laughs> once again. Sorry about that. We're dealing with the etymology of the phrase <laughs> shirt cocking. Is this uh, – I'm going to ask for one hint if that's okay. Does it relate to the physical act of cocking as as in like how some people cock a gun or does it relate to the no. noun, the noun cock referring to male genitalia? Male genitalia. Male genitalia. Shirt cocking. Okay. And we got here from the concept of fun fur, which is sometimes used to cover genitalia. So shirt Cocking, shirt cocking. Is this when you? Is this where you wear only only a shirt to the exact length where it covers your cock, so to speak, and and maybe to the point where that that is respectful, but even even the lower half of the uh, balls, pardon my French, might still be visible. Shirt cocking. That's pretty much it. It's just when any guy has <laughs> a shirt and a shirt and no pants. Shirt and no pants. And it is. Disgusting, and it's just like I have a thing on our refrigerator that's a stick figure figure with a shirt and a cock, and it says no shirt cocking because it's so frowned upon. But there's so many guys at Burning Man who don't want to get sunburned, but they still want to like rock the cock, I guess, be naked or whatever. Wow! So they just wear a shirt with no pants, and it is just not—it's not a good look. Listen, we are on the same page page about that. I have long maintained that is an unforgivable thing for an adult male to do. I've I've never I, I've I've I remember talking about this once with a girlfriend uh, of of ab- there's absolutely no world in which I will ever ever get undressed and remove my underwear before my shirt because there is no world in which even for ten seconds I am willing to shirt cock there is no world in which I could shirt yeah. I'm also going to say this there have been people no. asking for t-shirts to come out for Beautiful Anonymous I'm hoping this will happen I, I hear rumors that we'll soon have an all cinnamon rolls are made by somebody shirt. I've heard about a cardboard boat shirt, <laughs> references to some things we've had. I hope, can we make a note, Greta, that we should have a, a sort of Ghostbuster symbol with a male with just a T-shirt <laughs> on and the phrase, no shirt cocking underneath it. I think that would be a very popular shirt if we could make it. I want to get this merch going. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a capitalist. I'm not one of you burning yes. man commies. I'm a capitalist. I want to sell these shirts. And it can just be a little stick figure, a little stick figure man. Ooh, with an even littler <laughs> stick. To represent the <laughs> cock. Exactly. I am glad. Weird. Exactly. I will say our lives, I'm, I'm a punk rocker. You're from the Burning Man scene. There's a little crossover there, but a little bit more separation. I think you're in the medical marijuana industry. I'm on the East Coast where that's not a thing. We're separated by some vast cultural and geographical differences. But there's one thing in which you and I have exactly the same opinion, and it is on the idea that in no way is it ever okay for an adult male to wear a shirt and nothing else. And it's absolutely bothersome I, behavior. In, not even in private and especially not in public. Oh, can I tell you something? And I don't want to be too revealing about my lifestyle here, but I'm not a big fan of the beach, but I am a big fan of being nude. 
I like it. And there's a nude beach in Sandy Hook, New Jersey. Uh, it's part of the Sandy Hook National Park. And I've been known to go there from time to time because it's pleasant to be in the sun while naked. I think you probably would vou- uh-huh. vouch for this based on literally everything you've told us up until now. And you will occasionally see a guy. Can, can I tell you this? You're going to agree with me on this. Shirt cocking with a T-shirt? Absolutely unacceptable. But even worse, do you know what I'm about to say? No. A man with a polo shirt and nothing else. You should be dragged out into what? the streets. You should be dragged into the streets. And everyone in society should have a right to punch you <laughs> once. If you ever have walked around. Have in you a, seen that? I have seen an old man in a polo shirt and a straw hat and nothing else. And it was disturbing. <laughs> I wanted to push him into the sea. Oh, my God. Shirt cocking. No shirt that cocking. Every is... fan of Beautiful Anonymous. <laughs> There's a lot of social issues that we need uh, to fight for in this world. There are a lot of social issues that need changing in this world. And I would say that it's not – I would say it's not even in the top ten. I mean we have so many issues with the police. We have so many issues with the political divide. We have so much – so many issues with people playing to the lowest common denominator for their own political and financial gain. But I'm going to say ranked about number 13 in the most important political and social issues America is facing – is shirt cocking. It is not okay. Shirt Absolutely. cocking is not okay. I'm also on record Absolutely. as... Absolutely. It's, it's, it's an epidemic. I also think that we need to be more open in our discussions about mental health, and I also wish that we weren't so uptight about um, butt eating. Those are my big... Li- that's my big list of social issues that America needs. Uptight about what? Eating butt. Eating, uptight about what? Eating butt. Uh, butt eating as a sexual practice. <laughs> Okay. Who cares? All right. Who cares? Why is it news when they eat butt on girls? It's fine. Do what you want to do. If it feels good, do it. <laughs> exactly. I can't believe I shocked Dude, you somehow. Yes. I can't believe I just said something that shocked you. <laughs> Who knew? Oh, that's funny. I'm going to tell you, we got six yeah. and a half minutes left. Six and a half minutes left, and I'm not trying to blow smoke here. This is one of the most fun times I've ever had on a beautiful anonymous call, so thank you for it. Oh, thank you. I've been trying to talk to you for a long time. I'm glad. I'm really glad we got so, to talk. Uh, this podcast is my favorite one. I look forward to it every week. That's and really thank nice. Thank you. I didn't know who you were before this, and now I've already went and saw you in Arlington, and it was a great show. <laughs> oh, now we all know where you live as well. Congratulations on making yourself. You want to just yell your home address at oh, some no, point? I don't live there. Oh, you drove. No, no, no. I don't live in Arlington. No, I was traveling, and oh, I of just course. happened You're in California. to be in Virginia when you, yeah. I just happened to be in Virginia when you had a, your show, last show in Arlington. Were you guys so sca- was, You're in Virginia maybe scouting scouting uh, tobacco fields of the American South to see if they can be converted to marijuana. <laughs> I'd imagine. That's I nice. can't say that was what we were doing. But. That's so nice that you came out to the show. Can I just address that? If I, may, if I may make it a little personal. I get a lot of people saying they've never heard of me before this podcast, and it's beautiful, and it's great. And I've loved, I go on the road. I meet people who like the podcast. I was just in Edinburgh. I meet people who love the podcast, who have met and known me through the podcast, and it's great. I will also say there's like a little bit of a weird frustration on my end because I'm, I've been working for 16 years and have my own TV show, and I've had – 
So many people tell me I've <laughs> I've never heard of you before the podcast, and it is it is both an honor and very flattering, and also makes me want to run headfirst into the wall with frustration as someone who's worked so hard for so long. <laughs> Who knew that me literally designing a podcast where part of the idea was I don't want to have to book guests would lead to such a uh-huh. a, a, do- a door opening career moment for me. Thank God for it. And you can just kind of do it whenever, and there's, you know, yeah. it's just, it's it's a brilliant concept, it really is. Thank and you. it's a lot of fun, because I think, well, human beings are so interesting, and I love documentaries, and I love, you know, just hearing about people and their experiences, and, you know, how they come to be who they are. It's just, it's so fascinating. People are just fascinating. That means a lot, and thank you. And, and I feel like one thing, one thing that... Um, Maybe maybe we all forget is that regular people are the backbone of life, and that I, for as much as I love so many podcasts of this route and TV shows of this route, I don't know that I need to put anything else out into the world that involves celebrities telling charming anecdotes to other celebrities. I'd rather hear from regular people in the places that don't always get so much spotlight in the entertainment world. Totally. Yeah, so that's my... That's awesome. I'm glad we both managed to pat ourselves on the back for this thing we're currently participating in. That being said, four minutes left. Hooray! Four minutes left. It's about you. What else? Four minutes. Yeah, what else do we need to know? Um, I can tell you one of my favorite childhood stories. Yeah. <laughs> it's very short. Okay. Okay, me and my best friend to this day, we met on the school bus. And I think I was in first grade, maybe she was in second grade. And we were always, we were the last two to be dropped off every day. And our bus driver's name was Asa. And he was this like total hick, slicked back hair, you know, big dark sunglasses. And the big thing at the time in school was to know what the word virgin meant. So there was the, the group of people that were always like, Oh, a virgin is someone who has never had sex. But then there was the contrasting group who were like, no, a virgin is someone who has had sex. And it was a big controversy in the first grade. So we were like, you know what? We're going to get Asa, our bus driver, to clear this up for us. <laughs> so we were the last two on the bus, and we're sitting there, and I'm just like, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, no, you have to ask him. She's like, no, you, no, you, okay, let's, let's ask at the same time. And we're like, Asa? What's a virgin? Oh, and he's like, a virgin? He's like, it means nude like a tree. It means what? Nude like a tree. Nude like a tree was his answer? <laughs> a virgin is nude? Yeah, but nude, that says, nude like a tree. Nude like a tree. What does that mean? <laughs> we were really confused after that. Yeah, I think you maybe got. He didn't answer. Like, I think you maybe got two T-shirt ideas out of this show. Nude like a tree. (laughs) What is is that? What does that mean? Nude like a tree. Although he probably said some. He probably just said some nonsense because when when a six year old like you're a bus driver when a six year old girl goes, hey, what's a virgin? You're probably immediately like, well, I'm getting fucking fired. I'm backed into a corner. I'm, how do I answer this where I'm not getting fucking fired? What the fuck is going on? This is the nightmare. He probably just literally said some gibberish. Did you ever figure yeah, out what he meant? Like, we got 90 seconds left. No, never. It's, 
And is this still a phrase a to this day? Is this a phrase you and your friends still bandy about 30, 30 something years later? We do. We still, yeah, we'll go back to it. Nude like a tree. <laughs> so, We're all nude like a tree means in some nude way, like aren't a we? tree. Nude like a tree. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So maybe he was just like searching and then he saw a tree and he was like, like a tree. Because he didn't know what to say. I don't know. Who knows? Makes no sense. It does not at all. <laughs> we got 45 seconds left. I want to give a big thank you for this very entertaining and eye-opening call. You've been a, you've been a really incredible person to talk to. And I'm, uh, I'm thankful for your participation and your support. And I'm thankful to talk to you. And thank you for this awesome podcast. Please. I just sit here <laughs> sipping water while you tell me about your threesomes. It's a pretty sweet gig. But you know, it was really, it was fun to hear someone else, like hear your perspective, <laughs> like the, the MDMA, uh, Shakespeare, <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah, as much as I loved it. I love that. I'm going to always remember that. It's pretty freaking awesome. That brings us to the end of another episode, and I, I am so thankful um, for our caller today. What a good-natured person telling us about about life. And I was so happy. It meant a lot to me that she, she had that little stretch where she said she appreciates the podcast for being about real people, because that's what I love about it, too. And I think she's one of the realest people we've talked to, right? She lived so much and, and was willing to share it with all of us. And, and, and that's, that's what I love, is that I get glimpses into all these different things that I don't know firsthand. So thank you. Thank you so much for telling us about the long list of, of fascinating things that you have experienced, caller, meant a lot. Thank you guys all for listening. And thank you to the Reverend John Delore, to Greta Cohn, to Zach Dinerstein, to Shell Shag for the intro music. If you want to know more about me, you can go to chriskeff.com. And right now, very um, important thing in my life, careersuicideshow.com. If you're in the New York area, I'm doing an off-Broadway show. I would love it if you came and checked it out. It's about my journeys through depression, my personal story, and it mean a lot to me. You guys came out and supported. it. In the meantime, if you like the show, rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. It helps a lot. It really, really does help a lot. Let's, uh, let's get this thing moving up the charts once again. We're, we're floating. We're floating. And I, I want to rally everybody out there. If you love this show, let the world know on iTunes. Let's move up those charts and, and, and shock the world once again. In the meantime, thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with more real conversations with regular people. Thanks for listening. One of the good things about this show is there's always more people in the world who have more stories to tell. Here's what you might hear next week on Beautiful Anonymous. Well, my wife and I have always been interested in the idea of adoption. You know, we, we've got two dogs that we've adopted that, you know, we just love to death. And, you know, we got them from the SPCA and we always love the idea that, you know, there's these uh, beings out there in need of love. And uh, why isn't that our first option? I mean, we knew we wanted to do it, but it, the logistics of it financially were kind of difficult. It's very, very expensive. It's upwards of $50,000 by the time all is said and done. We, we hadn't really done anything about it. And then uh, actually my wife ended up getting pregnant. But unfortunately uh, that ended in a miscarriage, uh, which I'm sorry, was man. Uh, a tough, yeah, it was a, a really tough time. 
That's next time on Beautiful Stories from Anonymous People. There is a creature that stalks your inbox while you sleep. The ear wolf. Once every fortnight, this lupine beast sneaks across the internet, carrying only a newsletter featuring exciting podcast highlights, fan art, live tour dates, in-studio photos of stars like Mel Brooks and Susan Sarandon, and sneak peeks of podcasts yet to come. If you want these valuable treasures, all you have to do is invite it in. By going to Earwolf.com and subscribing to its email newsletter. And then wait for the Earwolf to visit. (laughs) This has been an Earwolf production. Executive produced by Scott Ackerman, Adam Sachs, and Chris Bannon. For more information and content, visit Earwolf.com. (laughs) 